Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Help us, God our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Psalm 79, verse 9, New International Version. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. Isaiah, chapter 42, Verse 8, New Living Translation Your right hand, O Lord, wins glory because it is strong. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes your enemies. Exodus, chapter 15, verse 6, God's Word Translation Good morning, I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm here today with R.D. Fierro, author and founder of Crystal Sea Books. As we had announced in a previous episode, we had planned to start a new series on Anchored by Truth to focus on one of the strongest lines of evidence for the Bible's inspiration, that of fulfilled prophecy. But, as important as the topic is, given all that's going on in our community and nation right now, we thought that we would set that aside for a moment. Instead, We wanted to spend some time meditating on what the Bible says to us about how we as a nation, a community, and as individuals can achieve victory over the virus. R.D., maybe we should do a quick review of what we've learned in our first three episodes in the series? I think that's a great idea. In our first episode in this Victory Over the Virus series, we saw that God promises in a number of different places in the Bible that He will never leave us or forsake us. God promises to always be with us no matter what we're going through, no matter what our situation is, no matter what we're enduring, God promises that He will never leave us or forsake us. In our second episode, we saw that in addition to just guaranteeing His presence, God also promises to give us what we need in trying times. And during that episode, we focused on three super important qualities that we all need during difficult and trying times. Wisdom, strength, and contentment. And then in our third episode of this Victory Over the Virus series, we took a look at the attributes of God that guarantee us that the promises that God made were intended just as much for us in our day and time as they were intended for the very first audience that ever heard those promises. God is immutable. That means he's unchanging. And God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. So when God made the promises of reassurance, comfort, of his presence, of helping us have strength and contentment, when God gave those promises to the very first audience that heard them, he had us in his mind just as much as he did the immediate audience who was listening to them. And that last point is so important. It's one thing to believe that God made the promises to people who originally heard Jesus speak or who heard one of the Old Testament prophets say, Thus saith the Lord. 
But how would promises given over 2,000 years ago have any meaning to us today unless we could be sure that those promises carry forward throughout time? Fortunately, because God is eternal and unchanging, we can be assured that the promises He made to His people in biblical times are still fully applicable to us today. Also, just as a reminder, for anyone who hasn't been able to join us for these earlier episodes, they are now available by podcast through all major podcast apps. Just look for Victory Over the Virus series. Great point. Listeners should also know that we routinely post written script notes along with the podcast audio file, so anyone who would like to review the Bible quotes or scripture references that we use during these broadcasts slash podcasts, they can just go ahead and get the script notes if their podcast app supports that, rather than having to write things down or take notes while they're listening. Right. So what's on the table for today to continue helping people understand why victory over the virus is not only possible for Christians, but certain? Well, today we're going to tackle a topic that does not get a lot of attention, but which I think is essential for Christians to really seriously contemplate how they deal with difficult times like the one that we're having now. I want to talk about God's glory, and specifically, I want to talk about the fact that God will often intercede in human events and world events for the specific purpose of calling attention to His glory. Yikes! I sent some head-scratching and mind-stretching moments ahead. Well, that's all right. So to get us into the mood to think about how great God really is, let's listen to one part of Crystal Sea's upcoming audio project, The Genesis Saga. This part describes the seven amazing days in which God made the world and established the time periods that would forever mark our lives. Before the beginning, God was there. wisdom, none to compare, three in one, perfection and peace, then perfection spoke and light released. No more gloom, no more void, with a single word, darkness destroyed. stars rose and sang for joy as God's great plan had been deployed. He said, Light is good. good. It reveals reveals my way. Then he pushed apart night and day, evening and morning of day one, but creation's story had just begun. He split the waters above and below. He made an expanse where winds could blow. The heavens soared, his glory showed. The work of day two finished long ago. Light and water 
heavens and air. By his power, he banished despair. The morning star sang, praised with prayer. Creation progressed, his splendor declared. Then God gathered waters into their place. So dry land could appear, he created space for plants to come, yielding their seed. All this occurred as he ended day three. He put lights in the heavens, brilliant and fine. Throughout the earth, their light did shine. The moon ruled the night, the sun ruled the day. Day four was done, his beauty on display. Heavenly bodies, fruit-bearing trees, plants in abundance to meet future needs. The morning stars sang in mesmerized wonder, awestruck amazement throughout their number. Living creatures next, fish swarming the sea, and birds in the skies, nesting in trees. A brand new world, vibrantly alive, the morning and evening of day five. He put beasts and cattle onto dry land. His crowning touch, he created man. Finally, for Adam, he fashioned Eve. And on day six, the world was complete. Giraffes and bears dwelled in Eden in peace, no care. The morning stars finished their song of praise for creation unfurled in just six days. The Almighty surveyed what perfection had done. The Father, Spirit, and glorious Son very good, God proclaimed with booming voice, giving all creatures a cause to rejoice. On day seven, God entered his rest. He declared it holy and made it blessed. The earth was done, the heavens complete. Now, time established in days and weeks. The heavens still announce the glory of God. So doesn't it seem strange and odd? That many on earth can't look above and see evidence of his matchless love? 
men and nations, people everywhere, the true Son wants your sin to bear. He made morning stars. He makes all things new. He made all creation. He can surely save you. You know, when you listen to that description of creation and let your mind just focus on God for a minute, you are able to step back from our current situation for just a bit. The biggest thing I remember when I hear that piece is that our God really is an awesome God. He really is. And that's one of the reasons I want to spend some time today thinking about God's glory, and particularly God's concern for His own glory. That's something we almost never think about. God is a personal being. He's obviously a personal being like no other, but he is a personal being. That means that he has his own thoughts, plans, intentions, and concerns. Right. Of course, God's plans and concerns are quite different from our own. God's plans always come to fruition. God cannot fail. He's omnipotent and omniscient, so whenever God plans for something, that plan is going to come fully to fruition. And when we say that God has his own concerns, we don't mean that God is ever concerned in the way that human beings are, in the sense that God never gets worried or anxious. Sometimes when we use the term concerned with respect to human beings, we're talking about people being anxious or worried. God is never worried. God is never anxious. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have his own priorities, things that are important to him. And one of God's particular priorities is his own glory. When you first say that, it can sound like God is egotistical. Well, for a human being to be concerned about his or her own glory, it would be egotistical. And that's why it's so important to ensure that we have a proper understanding of the nature of God. It's been said that every heresy begins with a misunderstanding of the nature of God. God is a being unlike any other. God alone is self-existent. He alone possesses the power of being, of life, unto and by himself. God never needs anything from anyone. He is independent, non-contingent, and non-derived. Human beings, by contrast, are dependent, contingent, and derived. There are a lot of things that we depend on to maintain our existence. For instance, we depend on air, water, food, and sunlight, just to name a few. Well, God is not only self-existent, that is, that he possesses the power of being into and unto himself, God is also all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. But even saying those things, as mind-boggling as they are, even saying those things about God is only the beginning of what we can say about God. Right. Saying God is all-powerful and all-knowing is a way of talking about what God can do But God is so much more. He is perfect in every way. Perfect in goodness, perfect in holiness, perfect in beauty, and one we don't think about very much, perfect in glory. Exactly. God is perfect in glory. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And because God is perfect in his glory into and of himself, 
He will not share his glory with anyone or anything else. And that's what we heard in our second scripture today from Isaiah. God says, I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. Well, Isaiah wrote about 700 years before Jesus was born. So he wrote during the period when the Hebrews were frequently being seduced into idol worship, especially of the false pagan gods of the surrounding nations. Yes, and idolatry became such a problem in ancient Israel that God eventually allowed the Jews to be conquered by the Babylonians and go into a foreign captivity for 70 years. Well, that was a graphic illustration of just how seriously God views idol worship. But let's get back to our other point, to our basic point. God is perfect in every way. So God's concern for his glory is perfectly right and just. But more than just that, God's concern for his glory is actually very good news for Christians. In what way? Because God considers anyone who has placed their trust in Jesus alone for salvation as part of his family. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. That means that when God is concerned for the maintenance of his glory, for the maintenance of the glory of his kingdom, he is also concerned with his children. In other words, God's concern for his glory actually reinforces God's concern for us, if that were even necessary. Once a Christian accepts Christ as his or her Savior, once that person enters God's kingdom, whatever God does for his kingdom, he does for us. He does for that person. He does for every single one of them. And that's really good news, because God will do things for us completely outside of any merit that we might think that we possess individually. What you're saying is that God looks at anyone who has accepted Christ as their Savior through the lens of Christ. That means that God is as concerned with what happens to us just as much as he would be concerned for what happened to Jesus. Wow, that becomes a really powerful thought. But now tell us why all this is so important when it comes to us trying to deal with the difficult situations like this virus. Because at times like this, people often find themselves caught in a sea of uncertainty. They're uncertain about their money, they're uncertain about their health, they're uncertain about their house, they may be uncertain about what groceries they can find in the stores. There's a lot of uncertainty that surrounds people at times like this. Now, of course, when we are uncertain, we can turn to God in prayer, and many people will. Many people will turn to God in prayer for help with their uncertainty or for the provision of essential needs. And they should turn to God for needs. After all, Philippians 4.19 says that God will meet all our needs through Christ. Yes, it does. But let's look and see exactly how that verse is phrased. I'm going to quote now from the New International Version. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. So God says that He meets our needs according to the glory found in Christ Jesus. Now, a famous biblical commentator from the 19th century named Albert Barnes says that the use of the word glory in this context connects the idea that whenever God does something, He always does whatever He does in a way that is worthy of Himself 
so as to illustrate his own perfections. So this verse is another illustration of the principle that God will often do amazing things for his people as a way of demonstrating his own glory. Or let's put it a little differently. Sometimes, maybe most of the time, when people go to God in prayer, they're praying for something that they need or want. And that's fine because God encourages us in 1 Peter 5.7 to cast our cares upon him. But even when we do that, even when we follow 1 Peter 5.7 and we cast our cares upon God, we have to be aware that we are going to God with a focus that's on us. But let's go back to Philippians 4.19. The Apostle Paul is telling us that God will supply our needs, at least in part, as a way of demonstrating His glory, His profound perfection. I see where you're going with this. You're saying that when we go to God in prayer, we don't have to go to Him solely based on our needs, but we can turn to Him because, in a certain sense, He has chosen to link His care for us to His glory, to the riches He possesses, just by virtue of the fact that He is who He is. He is God, and He is perfect in every way. Yes. Let's go back to our first scripture for just a second. The psalmist is praying for help, but notice how he prays. Help us, God, our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive us our sins for your name's sake. In other words, the psalmist is asking God to give him help and deliverance, everything that the psalmist needs for the sake of God's glory and for the sake of God's name, and of course, saying for the sake of God's name is just another way of saying for God's glory. In other words, the psalmist is not grounding his prayer just in the human side of the transaction. He knows he needs help and forgiveness and deliverance. The psalmist knows that. That's what he needs. That's the human side of the transaction. But when the psalmist goes to God in prayer, he is also reminding God that by providing him, the psalmist, with the required help, God will be enhancing his own glory. So at least that's a human recognition of God's concern for his own glory. Now, obviously, as a perfect being, God's glory can't really be increased, but the psalmist goes to God not just in recognition of the human side of the transaction, He goes to God, recognizing God's side of the transaction as well. And so he says, God, please do this for me, for your name's sake, for the glory of your name. So he's trying to say, God, you can increase your glory by doing this for me. So he's saying, God, you can do this for me and increase your own glory, even though God's glory really can't be increased. But we, as human beings, can grow in our recognition of that glory. So part of the point that you're making is that in uncertain times, when we feel uncertain about a lot of things, we can always ground our prayers in the absolute certain character of God himself. God knows our needs before we present them. But when we link our needs to God's own character, he knows that if and when he provides for us, that we will know that our answer came from God. It's a little like a father giving money to his teenage daughter and telling her to take her little sister to the ice cream shop and get a treat for themselves. If you ask the little sister who to thank for the ice cream, she might say the person who made the sundae. But the older sister knows that the real benefactor was their father. Exactly. Now here's something that's a bit of a mystery, but I think about it a lot. God did a lot of things in the Bible for his people but it was really common for God to act primarily through one person. 
I mean, for instance, James reminds us in his book that Eliza was just one man, but Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years in Israel, and it didn't. One person's prayers can make a difference. I think that was true in the biblical times. I think that's true today. And while I don't believe that there are any magical prayer formulas, I do believe that God is concerned with the content of our prayers and particularly for our sincerity and our earnestness. Remember, James talks about fervent prayer. Well, in uncertain times, while we may know that we need things desperately, one of the questions I think we have to ask ourselves is, are we always prepared to honor God properly if we receive what we're asking for? Well, if we go to God in prayer with His glory uppermost in our minds, I can't help but think that that's a prayer that pleases God and maybe one that God knows He can honor safely. And that is another one of those knee-buckling thoughts. God is a wise father, and a wise father wants his children to grow and develop, even during stressful times. God can and does bring blessing out of adversity, as we mentioned in our first lesson in this series. But one of the best ways to let God know that his blessing is safe with us is to tell him right up front that we know that all good gifts come from him and that he will get the glory for any blessings he brings. Exactly. God's glory is tied to his own perfect character. And through Jesus, God has included us in his kingdom, which will be a glorious kingdom because it's his. So in the midst of uncertain times, like those we're experiencing today, the one thing that we can be absolutely certain about is that God will hear the prayers of his people that show as much concern for his glory, for God's glory, as they do for the people's needs. That is a power-packed thought. Sometimes we might question why God would be inclined to listen to us at all. As David said in Psalm 8, verse 4, What is man that you are mindful of him? But the clear answer that should inspire our prayers is that God is mindful of Christians because he has sovereignly chosen to link his immutable glory to his care for us and his deliverance to us in our hour of need. Provided we are sincere in our expressions that God receive the glory that he is due, we can confidently ask him for whatever we need. Just as it says in Matthew 6.33, If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the things that we need will be provided to us. In large part, God gives us blessings in order that we might be able to celebrate his greatness and glory even more. Sounds like a great time for a prayer. today. Let's again pray for all those who are on the front lines of this battle with a victory over the virus prayer. And let's do so, keeping in mind that we will give God all the glory for the victory when he brings it to us. A prayer for first responders. Almighty, gracious, and heavenly Father, we come to you because you are a great God and a merciful God. Lord, we seek your face and your favor for our brothers and sisters who today selflessly perform jobs where they place the health and safety of others above their own. We are so grateful, Lord, that in our community and in every community in our nation, there are brave men and women willing to serve as police officers, firefighters, paramedics, and other first responders. We thank you for each and every one of them, and we pray that you would be their constant companion and guard. Lord, we know that they have all accepted the call 
to serve a cause greater than themselves. In doing so, they are following the supreme example of your Holy Son, Christ Jesus, who always placed the well-being of his followers over his own. We pray that our first responders will enjoy the blessing of knowing that you are not only their strength, but their Savior. We pray that the peace of Christ that passes all understanding would enable them to be strong in their work and service. We pray everything we do and they do would serve to bring glory and honor to your name. We thank you that you have given us a part in your great work. All this we ask in the name of your precious Son and our Lord, Christ Jesus. Amen. We'd like to remind our audience that a lot of our radio episodes are linked together in series of topics. So if they've missed any episodes, or if they just want to hear one again, all of these episodes are available on your favorite podcast app. To find them, just search on Anchored by Truth by Crystal Sea Books. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where we're not famous, but our boss is.